0: If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review, as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. Today, I am joined by Mike and Jono again. Before we get all of the pleasantries out of the way, gentlemen, I just want you to know, Mike, you've been surpassed as far as videos go. What? No. Let let me guess. It's Big Jim. No, it's not. Oh. It's, a, it's, an, it's an Ed Boy alumni, but it's not uh, Big Jim. As it sits right now, Matt Hill, the voice of Ed, is sitting at 941 views. Now, that might not seem like a shit ton of oh. views for a guy that's got almost 300 subscribers for the YouTube channel, specifically for just the YouTube channel. That's big, man. We're really close to, to, to f- like fucking 59 away from 1,000. So you're sitting <laughs> at 919, Mike. Um, but... The crazy thing is, is Matt was literally sitting at like 750 a week ago. I don't know what fucking happened. I don't know who found it. I mean, I've jumped up a tremendous and subscribe. I mean, I've went almost up a hundred subscribers in, in a little less than three weeks, which I'm fucking floored about. I'm, I'm so excited about. Um, but nonetheless, man, this entire month has been nothing but pushing the Ed boys and I've got the two long mainstay writers here with me, Mike and Jono. Mike and Jono, how the hell are you guys?
1: Good, man. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Nice to see you again.
0: Yes, man. It's always a good time when I can sit here and talk Ed boys. So usually I don't open up with conspiracy theories. But there was a couple questions that I've asked you guys specifically on each one of your episodes. And some of you guys had never heard of the uh, the one that I asked. I think I asked Jono specifically was the special ed episode. And if it wasn't you, I know I asked Big Jim and that one was completely out of the window. Um, it was just stupid. I'd never heard about it until I was on the internet. The internet's full of crazy shit. But one uh, that I found that I thought was interesting and that I never heard of before. And I want to know if you guys had heard about it. So I'm on IMDb and one of the things goes is a widespread fan theory suggests that the neighborhood is purgatory and everyone is dead due to everyone's tongues being a different color like a corpse and the Canker sisters are demons. This has been debunked by Danny, (laughs) but I wanted to know if this had ever come up while you guys were writing this. Did somebody write in a fucking fan letter and go, hey man, is this purgatory or the Ed's dead and the Canker sisters, the devil and the demons? Did you fucking ever hear about this shit?
2: Um, I can tell you sometimes when, you know, your fourth or fifth draft of your outline got kicked back, it felt a whole lot like <laughs> Purgatory working on the show. <laughs> but, I don't know, John, maybe can corroborate there, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, the studio could be Purgatory. But, um, yeah, no, that, that obviously wasn't in
0: anybody's mind when we were making it. It, it seemed really far-fetched when I read it, but I've, I've, I just, so ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, Mike and John are back on, obviously, because we're talking to each other, but these guys have the complete control of the show this time. This time, usually I do a little bit of homework and I'm saying, hey, Mike, you wrote on this. Tell me about it. Hey, Johnno, you did this. Tell me about it. The script has been completely flipped. Uh, okay. It's going to be pretty much run by Mike and Johnno. Uh, we're going to talk a whole bunch of Ed Boy shit, I'm sure. Um, we've seen, if you want to go ahead and show them, Mike, and I'll actually get a picture from you later, but show them the original Bible that you had scanned. Right. Off.
2: I, I had a, a scan totally unprofessionally some years ago. It was probably <laughs> me that did it, so it's probably a very poor scan. But this, hold it up, is the original cover of the Ed, Ed, and Eddie, uh show Bible. Um, that's got to be what, like nineteen ninety? 1990, Does it nineteen ninety
0: six? Yeah, I was about to say ninety seven so, is when you guys started working on it. Uh, oh, right. so
2: anyways, so that's the cover, and inside there's all sorts of informative stuff about the show, but um, you know where it takes place, what it's about, you know. Um, but it was very um, it was very sparse. Like there wasn't a typical show bible is quite detailed and 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 you know filled with stuff more like in depth on each character and the situations and stuff. But but the funny thing was about this was it was kind of very uh, uh, loose and our job was to figure out how to do this without a whole lot of information. <laughs> so um, I'll start with though, before I get into that, I'll get to this. This was the, like an original Danny Antonucci drawing of the Eds. And you can see it looks quite, quite different, right? It's a little bit more uh, Antonucci style.
0: So when he yeah. sells when he sells that to to Cartoon Network obviously you're going to have some kind of input cuz they're giving you guys money and stuff like that but do they with Danny having complete creative control and owning the property <clears throat> owning the property of the Ed boys how much do they have as far as input goes <laughs> well
1: i mean Danny being Danny i mean he's all about artists right so he very much said you know the artists are in control of this one and and you know we're not going to be listening to many executive notes on this show
2: yeah he made it very clear yeah he got in a fierce battles too a lot of times with the executives just because he was this was his show this was his baby he wasn't going to he wasn't gonna listen to them. He didn't think they were qualified to tell Would him any
0: of those <laughs> executives wrestle? Because I remember like I said, I remember you guys talking about wrestling matches just to blow off steam, but would any of the uh,
2: executives No? No, they didn't they weren't physically there. I mean the show was being done in Canada and everybody like all the executives, I believe CN was based in Atlanta at the time. So yeah. I think they were all in Atlanta. Um so I mean, sometimes I up and visit. There was a um, a Cartoon Network studio in LA, and I knew some of the executives there that would come up to Vancouver and back again. But uh, yeah, I, uh, he wrestled with them over the emails, and you know, I saw some of them uh, they were quite colorful. But you know, <laughs> yeah, he was yeah he was uh, he was a bit terrifying when he was on a roll. That's
0: for sure. <laughs> It, Johnno it, can vouch for that. He he saw him way more than I did. So, <laughs> were, were you? Were, I know Johnno was, but were you, Mike, in the uh, the studios with them up there in AKA, or Were you doing? No, a- I,
2: I was freelancing for the whole time I worked on the show. So I was working remotely, basically, and Johno was kind of like you know my my contact and my go to person. And uh, I, I would fly up there occasionally and hang out for a week or two. Right. Yeah. Um, Jonna would usually put me up <laughs> when this happened. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was fun though. I mean, it you know, it, it when I got to work in the studio, the few times I did work in the studio, it was super fun for me. I mean, it might have been you know another day at the office for everybody else but for me it was just nice to be around those people and it was really great being around the artists especially because i could see their thought processes and their the way they did their things and how that interacted with us and also i get a lot of their shit when
0: i wrote stuff that they didn't like (laughs) well i specifically i remember you talking about it it down so i specifically wore my scooby-doo t-shirt that's right (laughs) Yeah, Big cause...
2: Jim used to, hey, he called it my Scooby-Doo, right? I have characters running back and forth like through doors and shit like this, right? And he just Ugh. would cringe and get so mad at me every time I did that. <laughs> so we
0: we know what Big nice. Jim got upset about, uh, Jono. What did Big Jim get upset about for you or any of the artists specifically? Did you have a Scooby-Doo-ism or a Scooby-Doo moment that they're like, come on, Jono, fuck, man. Give me something else to draw.
1: Oh, God, I... I'm sure there were moments where they they didn't like things right
0: yeah
1: and and uh like mike was saying they would come marching right up because they would get assigned an outline right mm-hmm. and if and they would sit and read it and if they didn't like something they would walk right up and go what the hell is this what what's <laughs> happening what's happening here and you'd go oh well uh i don't know <laughs> You know, you have to defend yourself.
2: Yeah. It's like, you know, back off. I got a pencil, you know,
1: <laughs> but they were always right because they were drawing it. Right. And their experience was in panel to panel, right. Mm-hmm. Page to page panel to panel. Right. Visual, yeah, because that's their life. And and if they hit a spot where there was a glitch or something didn't connect then they would know immediately and they would go, Hey, wait a minute. This doesn't match up here.
0: <laughs> right? When, when something like that would happen, what was, what would be like, I guess the course correction, would you guys just sit there and try to work? I don't want to say work it out like you guys were fighting, but what I mean by working out was like, okay, well, this is what they're doing. Would you just explain it to them? Or would you have to go back? And we all know that the scripts were very, very small. It was very, Danny wanted he didn't want words getting in the way essentially of the art and it's very very artist driven show but when something like that would happen it was it just like fuck man just do whatever you want or would you guys work a story out just to flush that idea completely out so they might understand it a little bit more
2: well typically you defer to the artist because the artist is the one who has to draw it so if they explain it to you you know like, I love when they say, well, how do I draw that? you know, like, I don't fucking know. I'm not an artist, <laughs> but, um, you know, but, but, you know, they make you think twice. Like they make you as a writer really think, did I write this thing in such a way that it's visual, like yeah. it can be visualized. And that was actually an incredibly helpful tool. I don't know for you, Jono, but for me, it was like, it was so nice to get their perspective and be criticized by them because it taught me how to write more visual and more, you know, be better at screenwriting, you know, to to really see in my head what was happening and write it in such a way that it could be drawn. So that part was really cool. Um, But yeah, you defer to the artist, but if, you know, I don't know, if I was really stuck on a particular gag or something, I really, really wanted it. I would fight for it. But again, like, I'm not drying it, so
1: I lose. <laughs> right and, and it it wasn't something that you could walk away from. If there was a problem, yeah. they weren't going to leave and come back later. It was like yeah. now. yeah figure this <laughs> so, out now. And, and the other thing is is that everybody involved in the production was on the same team and pulling in the same direction and everybody knew how difficult it was because everybody was having difficulty in each of the things they were trying to do so everybody helped everybody else like all the time yeah it was
2: very um uh collaborative in that way which was cool because i mean there were so many talented people there you know so it's around that kind of those all those brains all those creative minds and just get their like input all the time it was cool
0: you know what? What the crazy thing is, every person that I've talked to, from you to Jono, to Big Dim, <laughs> Big Dim, Jesus Christ, Big Dim, <laughs> uh, fucking, I, I had a, I had a flub up on, uh, on. What's it called on Big Jim's episode where I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm a huge fan of the show." It's one of my favorite shows on Nickelodeon because I was looking down at my phone for a second and something popped up because I had posted something earlier and I see a Nickelodeon thing. And he's like, "What kind of fucking super fan are you?" And he's like, "You're supposed to be a big fan." And this shit wasn't on Nickelodeon. It was on "Cartoon Network." I'm like, "I didn't say." I was like, "Fuck, I did say that." So Big Jim, <laughs> sorry for fucking up your name. Uh, but what what's crazy about this is every person that I've talked to essentially on the actual crew, the writers, the artists, very few of you guys had had any kind of, I don't wanna say credits, cause it's such a douchey term, but a lot of you guys are brand new, Big Jim, said it hundred percent. He's like, it's my first big job. It's my first job in animation. I was pretty much right out of school goes right into it. Uh, when I was reading up on Scott, he said the same thing about Scott. He said the same thing about Joel. And then when me and John and, and I had our talk, John had you know, got a first script thrown in the trash, not by Danny, but I'm pretty sure Danny threw a lot of your shit in the trash because, you know, it's just Danny. The stories I hear, he's just a crazy fucker. Throw this in the trash, start over. Did you write this with your ass? Start over that type of shit. But it's crazy to think that how long this show lasted and how many people, this was like their first introduction to animation and cartooning. And for it to last as long as it did, that it just, it just baffles me that, like I said, so many of you guys, this was your first job in animation or your first big gig in animation. Um, when you guys were sitting there around the table or, you know, Mike, you, you said you'd come up a few times. Did you guys just look at each other and be like, what the fuck, man? Like, you've been here for, you know, a year. you've been doing this for a year. You've been here since breakfast and we've got this show off the ground. I got to imagine how fucking daunting that is. I can only imagine for me. I'm like, "Oh man, uh first time in a kitchen, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know where the pans are. I don't know how to turn the stove on. I don't know how to do this, that, and the other." And what I do is very very small compared to what you guys do. You guys get seen by millions of people, right? So the criticism is super compared to what I get seen to on a day-to-day basis. I mean, did you guys ever sit around and think like, "Fuck, I'm gonna go ask that guy, but he's pretty much been doing this as long as I have. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do. I mean, did you guys ever have moments like that? I, I think there there must
2: have been some kind of a vetting process because even though we're new, okay. Except with me, I I I I I can't lie, I was not totally lucky. But um, but I think Danny must have seen some of the work of the other guys, and John, oh, I must have known you through Dennis or something. Not sure, but I I think we we had something. Most of us, probably not me, but everybody else had something <laughs> that he recognized, said, okay, I can mold this person to do what I want them to do, as opposed to them already being, I don't know, trained or taught another do things. They were kind of fresh and new, so he could mold them a bit better. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was the mentality behind that. It certainly worked to an extent, because I feel like a lot of us got really, really good at what we do. And that was kind of like our, our boot camp, right?
0: That's an understatement. You guys are always so fucking humble, especially Jono over here. Always so humble. Just like, yeah, I did it. It was good. It was okay.
1: Well, it it was a boot camp. I mean, it's interesting. You're always making me think about it, like talking about it in this way. It's like I haven't thought about it for
0: decades. (laughs) Really? I mean, I I guess it's because I've got... I'm an outsider looking in essentially. So I'm, I'm sitting here. I was a consumer at first and I'm still a consumer now. Cause I still watch it. I mean, I'm, I've been trying to get my fucking kid into it for like the last six months and he just looks at it. He's like, all right, man, well I'm going to go watch the same cartoon I've been watching for like the last year. And I'm like, don't you want to watch something new? And he was like, I mean, yeah, but I, I did. So like I said, it's just from an outsider looking in it, it's very fascinating to see and hear what you guys went through. Um, but going back to what you were showing everybody, man, uh, if you want to hold or go back through the Bible. Cause you were getting ready to read off Ed before I had to ask you that question. We kind of side no worries yeah. Talking, just shot it back down, man. But, um, give everybody a little, little inside information. So that was the first Bible you guys had. You said it was very, very sparse. Obviously that well, was, yeah. of- it, it,
2: ahead, it was, it was basically just kind of some loose thoughts Danny had about each character, but I mean, you know, now that I'm looking at it again, um, I'm, I'm, I, I get it. Like, I, as a person who does this, and John will probably too, you could look at this now and go, okay, I know exactly what, what he's going for, because we've done this enough times to look at something like that and get our heads into this character. But at the time, we didn't really know. So it was very vague and confusing, right? Like, like, I have this character description of Ed and, it just says things like attention deficiency syndrome. That's like one sentence. The next sentence, he has trouble, dot, dot, dot. The next sentence, he can't, um, and that's it. (coughs) Okay. He draws all day in class. Like those are literally what we were working with. And there's like 12 of these things. And you're just like, Okay. What? Yeah. All right. I like, I think I can
1: get this. Yeah. Like song. if you think back to the early days, Mike. Like especially you know seasons one and season two, there yeah. was a lot of times where you would write something and then yeah. Danny would say Double D wouldn't do that. And yeah. You would and you would say he would he wouldn't. <laughs> and even would right, like, yeah no, he would never do that. And you're like and you'd scurry away and go okay, you know. <laughs> like you're trying to figure out the characters and I think you have to
2: read someone's brain like you're trying to literally read someone's mind with very little information and he's making you figure out what he would do in your situation and it was it was tough man like I I have this I I I showed uh John earlier but this was one of them like I will never forget this outline. This is the worst outline I ever worked on. It's called Boys Will Be Eds. And I don't know if you can see that. It says <laughs> D minus on it. This is probably my third or fourth draft. And there's like stuff. It's like, it's like shredded. It says lax humor, too flat. Where's the crush? Dio, stinky, poop Dio. Like Dio's dialogue, right? You know, why is it that they do what they do? Has no soul or depth. <laughs> relates in no way to little boy feeling. Like I'm like, I'm a boy. I should know this. Like
0: <laughs> so you said that was so, your yeah. third draft on that one?
2: Oh uh, who knows? It doesn't even say what version of the drafts.
1: What story is that?
2: It's the one where the all the guys have a crush on NAS. Oh Remember? right. I did seven drafts of that and it got oh. pulled. It got pulled. It didn't even I didn't even get a credit on it. I did what? seven outlines of that and it got pulled. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean?
0: That. What do you mean it got pulled and you didn't get credit for it?
2: I did seven versions of this story and he hated all seven. So he took the story
0: away and gave it to somebody else. Jesus Christ. And that's a mean, lot of work. With <clears throat> Excuse me. When you guys would write out a script, because what, what were episodes back then? Like 15 minutes? Yeah, they are technically 11 minutes. Yeah, yeah 11 With so, oh, commercials. Seconds. Yeah. Okay. Um, How long ah, – man, how do I put that? I don't want to say how long would it take you to write an episode or the screen the screenplay for an episode because I feel like you would hit a flu, flow state and it would be a little bit different. But I guess – man, how long would it take you to really write that first draft? I mean, would it be a quick flush out and then you go from there?
1: Oh, man, I – i would say a a
0: week
2: maybe a week is about good because it i mean like you said sometimes you just it just just comes out of you and it's really just organic and natural and sometimes it's a real bitch and you struggle with it so but on the average yeah about a week a week is right a week are you
0: are you guys simultaneously writing episodes so if you're writing that one that you got pulled from oh, yeah. are you right so you're writing multiple episodes at one time typically yeah typically you'd be
2: uh, working on one or two at a time yeah.
0: yeah now if you were to solely just focus on one would you guys be able to turn them out quicker or is it still pretty much like a week time because you're just no,
2: it, it yeah you yeah it's, i see it requires an approval process which yeah. takes time so yeah it's it's
1: I don't know. I I seem to recall now wishing that I could get one paragraph a day. And that might sound like crazy. Like what? A whole whole day for one paragraph. But most of it is trying to come up with something good and interesting and funny and different and different.
2: Yeah. We were never allowed to do the same thing twice. And we were never allowed to do something that was uh, like a, a uh, rip-off or a parody of something else uh, very rarely very very rarely something would get by but usually never like it was all original all the time and I, and I believe that's probably why the show has such longevity because it just
0: it's it had such a high bar when we were making it you know what I mean well I mean when you're consistently being told <laughs> to- find different work or this sucks It lacks soul i mean it just goes pressure does two things man Either you bust your pipes or it creates diamonds and you guys had a lot of diamonds
1: yeah well thanks man i i I want to believe that (laughs) well i like i like to think that we're very stubborn in a way because there were a lot of writers that dropped off and never came back right they couldn't take it
2: not Most fun. of them, but they wrote one or two episodes, and that was it. The process just—they got just chewed up.
0: How badly. often, were you guys? How often were you guys bringing in new talent between writers and artists and all that other stuff throughout the seasons? Do you remember?
1: That's you, John. Oh man, I remember one party where uh, Dan Seeley, who was the producer or one of one of the producers, um, he stood up and did a toast to all the artists and writers who had left (laughs) and it was literally like a hundred (laughs) people he was just like to this person to that person to this woman and this guy and it went on for like five minutes and everybody was just howling it
0: yeah that is fantastic and just like i said from all this i wish before i get into that I got to give you guys, This is going to sound like I'm asking you something very, very stupid, because you guys write for a living. So I got to assume you don't want to look at words when you're not writing. But, um, and it's going to sound like I'm an asshole right now when I ask you this question. Do you guys (laughs) read for fun is essentially what I'm getting at.
2: Oh, I do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, Sometimes. Sometimes. So there's this very, very good book, and I brought it up a couple different times to artists because it's primarily just about cartoons but I got it from uh, Fred Seibert, which was the last Hanna-Barbera president.
2: Yeah.
0: He also ushered in Dexter's Lab, Johnny Bravo, that whole cartoon and animation renaissance. Um, he brought this in and he, he recommended this book of Mice and Magic. Um, so it's, it's essentially American cartooning from day one to, I think the last re- revised edition was uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, it's a fantastic book if you guys want to go and check it out. You can get it for like eight bucks online. Um, it goes, it's, I'm going to tell you right now it is super dense it is very unless you're a nerd about cartoons and the process and all that other stuff you can't really really i guess get into it but i'm i like putting myself through pain there's pain in a good way because the book is fantastic and what i mean by dense it's not boring or anything like that it's just it goes super technical into what you guys do and especially what the artists do um but the reason i bring that up is when you guys would sit here and and, johnny you said a paragraph a day and that's you you said you'd be happy with a paragraph a day
1: oh yeah if it was like a good paragraph good solid paragraph yeah that's a good third of a page
0: so how many paragraphs would a 11-minute script break down? Would that be, you know, roughly how many do you think?
1: don't uh, know, Mike, three pages, right? Yeah, sorry. Mike, how many paragraphs are in that outline? Uh, let's have a look. <laughs> and each paragraph has a title. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how we did it too. Because I think that was to guide the story, uh, the and like the storyboard artist story six paragraphs so six paragraphs
0: per script
2: six solid paragraphs except on my version there's entire sections x'd out (laughs) a lot of scathing colorful language on the sides whole areas angrily scratched into but yeah six paragraphs
0: so that is oh man that is fucking insane when you really sit here and think about it that it's Six paragraphs is it just seems like with what goes on in an episode and what you see, you would think that this shit is planned out from how they're standing by a tree. Do you guys put any of that into it? Obviously, each cartoon is different. And you said this was more artist driven show. So would you say I want him posing like this if there was a specific reason for it or was it 100% on the yeah. artist to figure it out? If
2: there's a reason for it, if you want someone like posing, like, you know, looking out over a cliff or something or, 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 or trying to be like, you know, you know uh, stealth or something, maybe they're crouched or something, you want to get that across. But other than that, we don't get into details like that. It would take up too much space if you do pose a character it's for a specific reason to drive the story or move something along
1: yeah yeah that's totally up to the board at least on the ads that we never did that because we were just writing outlines we were never allowed to get that detailed
2: anyways you know again it was such an artist's show that we you know we were you know we we basically built the frame
0: for it and then they would have to fill it in with stuff so when you guys were writing out, or when you guys got the Bible, <clears throat> God damn it, man, I can't clear my throat for some reason. When you guys had this Bible, you said it was so sparse, right? There was very uh he's slow, or uh he's got attention issues, or uh dot dot dot. You know, it's very, very hard, I guess, to get inside of a character's head when you don't know what the fuck this character is gonna do. You don't know how he talks, you don't you know how he dresses, you know how he looks. You know, Ed kind of looks like a simpleton, so I'm just gonna make him sound dumb, make him sound this, make them look like this. Um, when you guys are writing all of these specific characters, man, who was the hardest as far as first out of the gate, man? If you had to pick a character, who was the hardest to really get inside of because of how small the Bible was?
1: I don't know. I think they were all hard. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I they mean they all cause...
2: had their complexities, and I and and it's funny because once we did find all their voices, I- I've mentioned this already to you, Julian. The hardest one for me was Naz because Naz, yeah. Julie, we never really nailed her. Like when I think about it, everyone else had like a great personality, but she was kind of meh. And that's why I wrote it up. <laughs> Boys will be Ed's episode. Like I wrote that outline seven times and like, nope, can't, can't crack it.
1: Did- I think that it was because of her role because yeah. she was supposed to be. That girl, you know, when you were 13 or 14 or whatever, that made the boys nervous, right? Yeah. It, it was like the Marilyn Monroe effect or something, right? Where, where boys could, couldn't think in her presence. And if you, I feel like if you got to know her, that would go away. So you had to preserve that.
0: Yeah, you had but to give her mystique.
1: Yeah, so it got really difficult to add layers to her, but not add any layers. Does yeah, and she,
2: and she didn't come off very deep. She was very, you know, like, when you're just a, you know, a physical thing, it's hard to, you know, get into it. It's hard. If it, There's no depth. There's no character. There's no nothing. It's hard to work with, you know? Yeah. It's too bad. I, I wish we spent more time with her. We could have probably got some cool stuff, but
0: Well, know, I mean, mean the Ed boys did hit HBO max. so (laughs) There's obviously some kind of interest in these characters, not just for me and thousands and thousands and thousands of people like me, like this show, man. So I got to imagine, um, I mean, have they, have they approached you guys yet is essentially what I'm getting at. Can we, I need you to get out there on the front lines, Jono, and, and start partitioning, say we want the Eds back because obviously they're not listening to me. So
2: I, I get it, there's a lot of fans and there's a lot of interest in stuff like that. But I mean, unless those fans start like, you know, basically, you know, hard charging Warner Brothers and say, we want this show back, you know, we'll see that that's well beyond our capabilities and our powers, right? That's the powers that be. So we'll see, maybe, hey, I'm not I'm not ever gonna discount it happening. I would love to do it again. It would be fun, right? It would be fun to work with Jono again and fun work with these characters. It would be interesting to see how Danny is these days.
0: <laughs> do you think he? Do you think he's mellowed out, or do you think he's still Uh-oh. ramped up? No,
2: <laughs> not really. Probably yeah,
0: not. probably not. No.
2: At first, it would seem like that, but as soon as you got into the weeds, man, it would be just a shit show all over again. <laughs> but whatever. I mean, you either you you enjoy working in the shit show like that, or you don't, right? Like the thing is, Jono and I can. We have my 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 most memorable thing leaving that show was how terrified people were of giving me criticism and notes. And I'm like, "Really?" Like, yeah. You have no part. idea what I you could yeah. shoot a bullet at me right now and it would bounce off like seriously. Yeah. It's no true.
1: Way. It's true. It's so we even talked about this where yeah. we laughed about it where you would go to other productions. Yeah. And then people would say, "Now, really sorry but we got to give you a little bit of criticism here and and we would just laugh our heads off oh no criticism oh no here
2: it comes <laughs> I know.
1: it's like
0: whatever like what do you mean Dude, what do you, mean you like? want is shirt red i can do that it's not that big of a deal like oh shit they think you guys are like the greatest things in sliced bread but getting more in depth into these characters man so when i talked to each one of you guys you guys told me your first episodes that you ever wrote on you told me some of the hardest episodes you wrote for. But I want to know, for Mike and Jana, what was the first episode you guys collaborated on? Oh, God. Or if, uh, if you, can't, if you can't think of the first one. But can you think of the first one?
2: It, it. I wouldn't say we specifically. I mean, there were a couple episodes we both got writing credits on. Mm. Typically, we were each assigned an episode. And if things weren't going well, like if I was writing it, it was kind of going sideways and I wasn't moving anywhere, Jono would jump on board and vice versa. So that's a lot of times how we end up with co-credits. But the reality was, was it didn't matter if it was my show or his show or whoever's show, we ended up, we would talk about everybody. I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many times we're like, I need a gag or, or, or I'd run a Jono oh, dude, like, I don't know what. Johnny should say right here you know and like we were we would constantly be bouncing back and forth on each other because well it was fucking survival you know we
1: we talked on the phone like every day every day for years and I were on the phone yeah years yeah and and often it was somebody else's outline yeah like I would call Mike and I would say oh this person's outline is is terrible you know how can we fix it and we yeah. would just chalk it out on the phone and then that's because nobody people just i don't know it was really hard
0: to get i guess i mean who, who'd you say gave the toast to all the hundreds and artists and yeah. writers that weren't See there me. i mean I.
1: <laughs> oh dan <laughs>
0: yeah dan we yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that that is that's fantastic that just goes to show you how much fun you guys were really really having um but what was so if you guys bounced every idea off of each other because you guys were really just trying to make the best show you possibly could man so if mike couldn't do it man let's talk this shit out two minds are obviously better than one what was one of your favorite gags or favorite episodes or favorite moments that made it into an episode that you guys can think of like oh shit we've we flushed that one out together on our many chats on the phone.
2: For that, it would be, I believe the episode's called Luck of the Ed. It's the one where there's a quarter stuck on the sidewalk. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. And one of my favorite gags is, is and I wrote it in there, and it was very rare that it would make a gag at the writing stage, would make it through the file, final. Yes. And no matter how funny we thought we are, somebody else thought we weren't. So, so so one of my favorite gags in that one is Eddie swinging on a rope with a snow shovel trying to plow the quarter out of the sidewalk. And he just fucks himself up and but he won't stop, right? He keeps going, right? I just thought that was hilarious. It just shows how greedy and dumb Eddie is, and, and that stayed in. So that's that's one of my favorites. And of course, I, I already told you about that Rolf Christmas song yeah. Christmas special. That's literally the my favorite thing I've ever written to this yeah. day. It's still my favorite, yeah.
1: You know, the the, the uh, quarter on the sidewalk one that defies a lot of conventions and rules about storytelling <laughs> and writing in that it takes place in the same location for the entire show, yeah. and it's only about that one thing for the entire show. And I've referenced that story so many times in my career to other people because Mm -hmm. I've had other executives and producers and directors tell me, Oh, this isn't a story. It doesn't work. And I'd be like, why doesn't it work? Well, it's just staying in the same place for too long. You got to move it out of that location. And I'm like, no, you don't. Right. (laughs) Like people really don't know, but they think they know. And there's another Spongebob uh, episode where Spongebob and Patrick get
0: in a box, I think. Yeah, yeah. The imagination box.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I w- would reference that too, along with the quarter show and go, you can do anything. You can tell any story you want to tell, like break the rules.
0: You can do it, people. So right? when you say conventional and or unconventional and breaking rules, what are some of the rules for you guys as writers and are these rules universal or do you have a set of rules? And then Mike, you might have a set of rules because you're two different people.
2: Um, I, my philosophy every time I write is to push everything as far as I can without getting fired. And the reason for that, <laughs> there's a reason for this. Okay. Because you have to understand uh, there executives have a bar it's here this is where the bar is and if you strive for that bar they will push it down Mm -hmm. so the secret is to always go above the bar so they're like we like this but you're out of control we're going to push you down to here and they think they've done their job but all they've done is kept the stuff I wanted in there so it was good enough to meet the level of quality that it should be now do I get away with that every time no but generally that's that's always been my philosophy no matter how terrible the show is to you because i worked on some (laughs) zingers man i've worked on a few that i'm just like can i do do i really want my credit on this (laughs) like wow (laughs) what do do those
0: what do those shows rhyme with mike you don't have to say the name but what do they rhyme with (laughs) oh boy um i'm just kidding i don't want to get you fired from anything mike so you don't have to (laughs) even if they rhyme don't 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 say it (laughs) I, I won't
2: give any names away or something like that, but I did one time work on a show that uh, was based on like a trading card game. And there's so many out there, so good luck figuring out which one it was. But, and <laughs> all the all the references on the characters that I was supposed to use was uh, was like, they gave me the actual card. Like they didn't send me a card in the mail. They like, took, made a photocopy of the card put it on a document sent it to me and it was really poorly translated from italian <laughs> so it was just the most weirdest freaking show i ever worked on it made no sense no sense at all i had to pull everything out of my ass just to make it make sense to me and i was the one who was writing it let alone i don't know how it was made i i to this day i don't know
1: i i don't know i don't think i've ever seen an episode of it i'm a scared to <laughs> Yeah, of course, when Mike started on that show, he called me up and he's like, check this out, (laughs) because we always do that, too. If we get something really terrible, we always call the other person up and go, hey, look at this. Aren't you glad you're not working on this? And then, you know, Giles send me back something even worse. I'm like, oh, no.
0: it. Sorry, man. <laughs> so what, what about you, John? What's your philosophy in writing? Are you setting the bar as high as you can so they can break you down by half so you can still meet the quality? Or are you got a completely different outlook on, on writing?
1: Well, when, when I mentioned storytelling or storytelling rules or conventions or whatever, I just meant that a lot of uh, you know other people in the industry rely on stuff they hear in seminars and read in books and when you approach storytelling as like an art form there are no rules right there's no convention there's throw it all out right i mean yeah most stories will adhere to uh, acts and shit
2: like that yeah but there's there's certain general rules of writing you know right if your story's good enough and those rules don't apply, who gives a shit? Do it, right? Yeah.
1: And, and you can break those things every now and then for certain stories. And, and you should have that in your toolbox, right? Yeah. And you don't need some, you know, executive coming in and going, hey, you're breaking a rule here. <laughs> you know, there's only two acts in this story. Yeah. And it's like, so what? It works. Yeah.
2: Is it interesting? Is it funny? Did it entertain you? Did you laugh where you were supposed to laugh? Okay. Who gives a shit? Let's do it. We make cartoons. Like, come on. Let's have some fun,
0: you know? To sit here and think that everything has to be the same. I mean, you can go and pull two cartoons. Well, with the exception of, like, 2000 was it seven to like 2012 I would say you can go and pick any two cartoons and they would look completely different but if you go and pick any two cartoons from now until 2007 or you know before 2007 you were getting the same fucking cartoon essentially with everything everything had the same shape everything had the same colors everything was the same panel it looked like they just took a stencil for a lot of the stuff from like like I said, 2007, I want to say at least 2012, everything was very cookie cutter. Um, so I could see what you were saying. You, you could tell that what you said is a lot of these guys are going to seminars and shit. And I'm like, oh, I know how I'm doing it because I heard somebody else tell me. I haven't physically uh, been here. in the trenches you know, doing it, you know?
2: You know, you're dealing with one that just came from the seminar because you'll start hearing a corporate buzzword that you never yeah. heard before. Like, mm-hmm. you hear things like, where's the girl entry point? <laughs> the girl entry point what the f- what what is that like I don't even understand or or like what's another one I used to love like I don't know or or the button you know we need a button
0: here we need a button it's like a button oh, what like <laughs> like, <laughs> like a physical just, button or what are you talking about Button? no
2: they just want something like on the end of something so it's like a you know something happens and there's like a something right after that uh, you know that's the button right and it's like or we just go to the next scene, like who gives a shit, right? Like why does it have to be there?
1: You know? I used to always get angry at um, at stakes at people that would say, Oh, the stakes aren't high enough. Yes, that's a good
2: thing.
1: And then enough. I would always say something like, Do you remember that Pee-wee Herman movie? And they'd be like, Yeah, and be like, Did you like that movie? Oh, yeah, it was really funny. And it entertained you and it was a good movie. And they're like, yeah, of course, Pee Wee Herman. I'm like, it's about a guy who gets his bike stolen. Yeah. Are, are those stakes high enough for you? And yeah. do you understand that the, the stakes were important to Pee Wee? The bike was important to Pee Wee. You know, like you don't need aliens to come in and attack the town. That's not high stakes. You see what I'm saying? It's high yeah. stakes to your character. And they didn't understand that. I, I was working on this show where the only thing they understood was aliens or uh, uh, angry Bigfoots come in, like
0: high stakes, you know? I mean, I guess it, it, it really drives... I mean, I could see just playing devil's advocate for just a little bit. I could kind of see what they're trying to do. But when, when I see something like that, because you see it a lot with what I do, cooking and stuff, everybody wants to add a little something everybody wants to feel like oh you know what whenever they're watching that cartoon you you see how they ran past that tree i told Jono they should run backwards and they (laughs) ran backwards so that i see i see that 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 mindset like i'm gonna get i'm gonna tell this fucking writer i'm gonna tell this goddamn artist i know funny or i know the eds when in all actuality, you guys got a fucking manual that was 17 pages long for 42 different characters and nobody knew any of these fucking characters when you started writing them, right? So it's, it's insane to sit there and think that, that these guys are still doing this. But nonetheless, man, we could go and talk about how shitty some of these people are because I've met some of these people. And <laughs> just, we're just whinging
1: way. now. <laughs> What's that? We're just complaining now. We've devolved into complaints. We've devolved into complaints. Well, what? I mean, you know
2: what? You know, at the end of the day, for every shitty person I met, I've met many good people and learned a lot from a lot of very talented people and made good friends with people. Even the people who were giving me some of those shitty notes became good friends, you know? So, uh, you know, like, what are you going to do? It is what it is, right? It's
0: all about what you make it at the end of the day, man. You get handed lemons. What do you do? You make lemonade sure or you can complain you know? about it i mean it, it, it just depends but nonetheless man everybody likes to everybody likes to sit there and talk about the bad the bad the bad man but let's talk about the good mike right let's talk about the good jano um when you guys were <laughs> obviously on this <laughs> when you guys were obviously on this show man you could tell just by you guys' passion and how you guys had like you said mike that bar set so high because danny was pushing that pace we gotta have something different we've what was the what was the mindset or what was the feeling whenever you would put up that uh, we did this, was there a running count as far as gags go? And what I mean by that was like, oh, he did this in episode two of season three, so we can't do it again. Who was keeping like a, a mental note of all of the gags you would got, you guys would do?
1: That would be Rachel.
0: that would be
2: Rachel Connor, <laughs> really. Hell yeah. She was like the Ed Cyclopedia. She knew everything about the show. Yeah, she was an invaluable tool. Amazing. She knew everything. She could recall anything instantly.
1: Yeah, we'd we'd go like, what was that episode where Double D did that thing and she'd go, oh, it's this episode in this scene. How yeah. infuriating
0: is that? Because I look at my wife.
2: Especially my, when we came up with it, right? Like,
0: how do you know that? Like-, like, I wrote this shit. I drew this shit. And you're telling, like, my wife does it all the time. She's got, like, one of those photographic memories. Like, fuck, man, I can't find my wallet. She's like, oh, it's over here. And I'm like, I haven't seen this wallet in three days. Now yeah. you're telling me in the last 17 minutes, you've heard me yelling and cussing, trying to remember I'm sitting here sounding like a fucking mental patient because I can't find this shit. And you automatically know where it is it's infuriating when you meet somebody like that, but they're so invaluable. Um, but she came on what, what, what season? Do you remember like three or four? Four was it? No, it was later it was, well, four, five, four, I think.
2: I can't remember. Yeah, it was the four or five. She came in the later
0: part of it, though. Yeah. Yeah, she, did. she came in the later part. So who was doing, who was having that mental recognition or that mental uh God, man i can't i don't understand why my brain's not working today mike who who, who would sit there and say hey we already did this was danny keeping a mental note as well or was it something you guys written down and it would come down from the producers or
2: yeah da- danny would call us all the time we did that or you know like he would just be you know he would come down on anything that he felt we were infringing on something else or making it too obvious of a reference to something else you know uh he was the one, that kind of the arbitrator of all of that. Um, so yeah, he was he was pretty uh, dead set about every idea being fresh and new, and that's a that's an insanely high bar, you know. Yeah. When you think about it, you know, it was hard. It was really really hard.
1: Yeah, he he was also seeing, you know, the final boards and stuff, and reading through them, and right. we we never saw them, right?
2: Yeah. I never saw boards. I hardly ever saw boards. I was lucky if somebody
0: would like scan one and send me a part of one. You know, was that, I def- is, is that normal? Like, obviously, you're working remote, but I mean, is that normal for you guys? And this is obviously way back in the day. And that's oh god, that's yeah, not me yeah, calling you. Idea, old. That's like, not me calling you old, Mike. But this this is twenty years ago where we didn't have email. Everybody thought email back in the nineties was a joke. Like, I'm not going to fucking send this. I'm just going to pick up a phone and I'm going to call Mike and I'm going to talk to Jono and all this other shit. We didn't have email and all that other stuff, but I mean, is that common place back then where you guys really wouldn't see board or do you guys not see boards now too?
2: Um, well, okay. There was a time where it was standard practice in a lot of these major animation studios where the writers were not at all allowed to even see or communicate with the artists.
0: Why? It that makes make- no sense.
2: I know. It doesn't make any sense either. I don't know why. I don't I don't know that was a time um but generally speaking because the board process happens so far after we're already done with our writing and we're already moved on to the next thing that we don't get to see like like the closest i ever came was uh recently was at disney but i didn't get to see boards i sometimes got to see animatics I think only twice was I ever pulled into a board meeting to explain some writing or a gag better. That was it. So it's not common for the writers to see the boards at all. It's not, Uh, we get to see the finished product, but you know,
1: only if it's your show, right. And you're a creator or a co-creator and then you're looking at the Leica reel and making comments or whatever. But if you're just a writer, yeah, they, they don't care to
0: show you. Yeah. That that just that seems like they would have some kind of open communication back and forth. I mean, I guess every writing room or every every cartoon is going to be a little bit different. But it would just make sense. Like, oh, man, let me get the guy that wrote this shit. Or let me get the girl that wrote this shit. Hey, man, come in here and tell me this shit real quick, man. It it just feels like there was something. I don't know. I guess I was hoping that everything was like magic and and you guys figure this shit out by yourselves. So there's no real communication going on. But, you know, nonetheless,
2: it, it it happens. Sometimes there's a question that needs to be asked, and sometimes I would even, you know, grab an artist and go, I've got this situation, I don't know if I'm visualizing this right, and then they would like, you know, throw in their two cents worth and kind of, oh, okay, yeah, now this makes sense, but there's not a lot of collaboration going on like that, because it just, it can't for efficiency, for logistics for the fact we're working on different things at at different times i'm not responsible to those people and vice versa so you know it is what it is right where if you want to be in control of everything you got to be the creator
0: yeah i feel you so um as we start to wind down because i know you like to eat around this time and i don't want to keep you guys (laughs) too, too much longer um uh, but Mike, man, going back to the to the Bible for just a little bit, was there anything else other than your D-minus that you were really, really proud of uh, that you might have wanted to show us? And then, Jono, what was the lowest grade Danny ever gave you?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I, I didn't save any of those like Mike.
0: <laughs> I'm a
1: glutton Sounds, for
0: punishment. I was about to say the same exact thing, Mike. He's a glutton <laughs> for punishment.
2: This is interesting. I'll show you guys this. And Jono, you probably remember this, this uh, picture. It just says, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, see something shiny. Jiggers. Yeah, I remember that. It's, see it's, so what? And that sold the show. That
1: was,
0: That's what he drew and sold the show with?
1: Pretty much. Drawings like that. Yeah, and sayings like that. Yeah. That was <sighs> and, it. it. But it, now, you know, now try and write stories with those three guys, and you're like, who the hell are these guys, right?
0: Yeah, I I remember. I remember you. I think it was you, John, that you told me that he had sent off that one page and they're like, fuck it. This is our show. This is what we're doing now. And then I've looked at some of the proposals for shows that they do now. And it's like the same size as your Bible, but like two of them and how they sell shows. I mean, obviously, this is probably the last show of its kind that was like that. Um, And I guess it's just it goes to show that not only was Danny's really, really good, but it was like, fuck, we need some more stuff on. And Mike, what were you saying? Excuse me.
2: It, it, it has everything to do with the process behind the, the hiring or the making of that show. So you have these studios that have less money. They wanna make a show. You have executives that make decisions on that. We just happened to land at a time where there was a new animation studios, Cartoon Network was relatively new. There was an executive there who was really, you know what, like, like I told you the analogy about the car. I want this awesome engine. I'm gonna find the best mechanic and I'm just gonna give him my car and walk away. Yeah. And that's exactly what Linda Szymanski did. She gave Danny, you know, a sack of loot and said, make me a cartoon <laughs> and you better be good. Cause you know, you have a high bar, you know and that's exactly what happened. Literally she, she, and that's probably the last time you're ever gonna see that.
1: You don't, you don't find that sort of
0: trust anymore. No not at all and do you feel like art suffers because of that oh uh, yeah absolutely. Oh, absolutely yeah it's
1: it's over management now yeah,
0: yeah. now too
1: many cooks right too, many,
0: too cooks. many cooks in the kitchen look fucking jano's on top of his shit he's over there he's just waiting he's like i'm gonna throw this little cook line in here it's <laughs> a fucking zinger right uh <laughs> but it's true man when you've got so many people stirring the pot you start to miss all of the stuff that makes it unique all the stuff that makes it
2: well you have no point of view right like if you have 10 people telling you what a character is like yeah you'll think of it like colors okay or you think of it like a stew okay like Mm -hmm. if you throw a red pepper and a green pepper and a yellow pepper in there eventually it'll just turn into a mushy kind of beigey thing if you boil it long enough so there's no red or green or yellow it's just uh, you know what I mean, yeah. and that's yeah. the problem. When you have too many people all weighing in on something, it doesn't have a point of view. Therefore, it suffers. Yeah, Isn't like it? like
1: your dishes are unique because they come from you, and mm-hmm. you make them a certain way that expresses your energy. You know what <laughs> I mean. And and if there was all uh, you know storytelling and
0: by committee, there's no personality to it. Yeah. There's no point of view. It definitely gets lost in translation, man. And uh, last thing I really want to end it with, um, with all the stories that we both heard from the episode that will never air because it's bullshit. My Christmas episode gone out the window. It'll never be seen, at least on YouTube. I'm going to find some way to put it out there where I won't get sued. Um, And I don't know if we told, I don't know if you told, I know you told that story on yours, Mike, um, as far as your one of your favorite moments. But do you guys collectively together have one moment where you guys might've worked on something, whether it be on Edit Eddie, by you guys, I mean, Mike and Jono, do you guys have something that whenever you mention, if Jono, if I go say, hey, what do you think about Mike? Or if I say Mike, what do you think about Jono? What's the first thought that comes to you guys' heads when you think about each other? And that sounds a lot more dirtier <laughs> than the minute to be, but when it comes to when it comes to writing with the Ed boys, man, and Jono's face says it all, <laughs> when, when it comes to writing the Ed boys, what, what's the first thought when you guys think about those times you spent flushing ideas out or working characters out? are like, fuck man, why does Naz suck so much? Or why is Raw so funny and Naz is so bland? What are some of the thoughts that come to your mind when you think about the Ed boys, but working with them together?
2: I just, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, Jono and I became, you know, we're like practically like brothers out of this Mm -hmm. whole freaking experience. Like we see each other every year. We hang out. We're very good friends. We still collaborate every once in a while on stuff. So for me, I just have very, very good memories of working with O and being with Jono and talking to O, the process might've been sucky sometimes because we, you know, we had such a difficult boss, yeah. but overall, I mean, I just, I was like, I'm making cartoons. This is pretty fucking cool. You know, <laughs> I'm making friends. This is cool. I'm learning this cool process. I mean, I'm getting better at what I do. So it's, it's, it's all pretty positive stuff. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: So I, I, I fuck you, man. No, I hated no. You. <laughs> i'm just i was just thinking about it and i i'm realizing that um like when mike and i talk on the phone about a story we're very very good at figuring it out and with with dialogue like sometimes because i'll do this these days, right, where I I working on a project with somebody and I get on a Zoom with them or whatever Skype, and we talk about it, and I'll say, "Hey, what about this?" and the other person will go, "Yeah," hmm. <laughs> and, and everything stops, right? But when whenever Mike and I talk about a story idea, it never stops, right? It, yeah, we're, I think annoying. we're very we're very good at at pushing. <laughs> this mentally pushing the rock, if that makes any sense, you know, and, and, uh, and
0: going somewhere and figuring it out. It's hundred percent, a hundred percent. It does. Yeah. It, it's, you guys are really the dynamic duo. When I think of two guys that, <laughs> that looking at you guys, not knowing you guys personally, but knowing you guys through this and the chats we have and all that other stuff, I go, I'm like, man, I bet you these guys have worked on some of the hardest decisions ever just by doing what we're doing now just dialogue, just talking, right. listening and going back and forth and not just trying to get point to point, to point, to point, to point. And that's what, we, what you're saying is like all these people is like, yeah, that would be cool. And I'm still on the phone with John O. and I could be doing something. So I, I understand hundred percent because whenever you can get somebody that you can not only confide in, but you can sit here and say, oh man, would you do this? oh, shit, Jono, we could do this. No, Mike, could be so much better. And then you start building layers, layers. Yeah, in,
1: yeah, there, in, the, in the, the writing story. world, it's called uh, spitballing. Spitballing, huh? And and some people are good at it and some people just aren't. You have to be with the right person,
2: too. Like, I, I get stuck sometimes in the writer's rooms and I might find one person I can do that with. But, you know, there might be a five, six other people in the room that just, we're not
0: it's like a wet blanket
2: driving that way so it's yeah like Jono brings up a really good point like if you click with someone on a, a creative freaking drive then yeah that that train just chugs along way quicker and way faster and way more directions you know so it's cool yeah
0: well like I said man uh I'm very glad you guys exist and I'm very glad you guys wrote on this show Thanks, um, man. yeah I mean this this episode was it was interesting it was a little weird it was definitely flat on my side so i apologize ahead of time um it's it's no been worries.
2: we had visuals we we backed you up man
0: we oh, backed if, you up. if it if it wouldn't have been for you guys i for sure would have probably hung myself in the background because yeah. it was <laughs> it was flat but nonetheless man i always have fun talking to you guys because you guys You sit here and say, oh, man, it's easy to bounce stuff off a mic or it's easy to bounce stuff off of John. When I talk to you guys, man, I get transported back in time. I get to feel like a little kid again. I'm talking to the people that made a fantastic cartoon. I I make you guys feel uncomfortable at the end of these things, but I feel like, ah, fuck it, man. These guys are used to it. They can handle it. They went through Danny's boot camp. They can fucking handle any middle-aged person sitting here saying, oh, I love this show and how great it was and all this other bullshit. So it just comes with the territory, man. I always have fun talking to you guys, man. He's been Mike. He's been Jono. Meet your heroes because they're fucking fantastic. Uh, Mike, Jono, do you have anything else that you would like to tell these people?
1: Mike? Mike? <laughs>
2: Thanks. Like honest to God, I, I I I am always so pleasantly surprised to be confronted and hit up by Ed's fans and and, and feel their genuine love and appreciation for the show. And um you know, it, it it validates, it just validates everything we do, you know. You fans validate everything we do and and you know if it weren't for you we wouldn't have our jobs and we wouldn't feel that love right so yeah. it's all, it it's all works, you. Man.
0: yeah it's a certain
1: it's it's really cool like at this point in uh you know our careers or in our lives or whatever to to hear this stuff it's it makes you feel good about what you're doing yeah that's
0: that's totally. good man i i, I I'm going to end it with this. Cause I know you're fucking starving, Jono. Um, I'm going to end it with this, man. Uh, I don't think that you guys, and by you guys, not just the guys that, and the girls that wrote on Ed and drew Ed, the Ed boys, excuse me. You guys are starting to get uh, the fan base. That's my age now. And with the internet and social media, especially it's so easy to connect with some of you guys. Um, and I don't want what happened in the 40s and 30s and 20s with the you know, the age of cartoons and the age of animation to really miss you guys, right? So this whole process, as far as the podcast goes, it really came out of Kobe dying last year. Um, you know, quick story. Uh, you know, I didn't get to say thank you for everything he did. He was thanked by millions of people on a consistent basis, right? I don't want the same thing to happen to him Happen to you guys. You guys go your entire career, and a lot of people don't know the writers. A lot of people don't know the artists. More people know artists than writers, um, and more people know creators to artists and writers, right? So, you guys are a very unsung hero, if you will, in your chosen field. Um, and I want to make sure you guys get as much of the adulations now why you are here and why you can enjoy this as possible. So, that's why I always like to end these episodes with me giving you guys thanks. Um, and I mean, I really can't do any more than that, man. Thank you guys so much for this shit. It it was, it was somewhat fun on my side, as far as watching me and hearing me flounder here in this episode. Um, so like I said, it's, it's a learning curve at uh, at the extent. Um, but like I said, man, John, I know you're hungry. Thank you for coming, Mike. Thank you for sticking it out. Um, and we're going to do this again very, very soon. And it's going to be a lot better next time on my side you guys were fantastic as always like i said man mike john o julian what's in my head podcast thank you guys so much and i'll talk to you guys soon thanks again for checking out the what's in my head podcast if you're digging what you're hearing leave us a five-star rating that will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show don't forget to smash that subscribe button tell a friend and i'll see you guys and gals next week good night